You're listening to The Kelly Track Show. I'm your host, Kelly Track, author, coach, and eternal optimist. Each week, I'll give you lessons to elevate your life, reclaim your personal power, and truly awaken and transform. Your best life starts right now. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the show. I'm so stoked to have you here. Holy moly, if it's your very first time listening to me, welcome. I'm over the moon, thrilled to have you here. The universe has connected us in some sort of cool way, and I'm just stoked that you are here hanging out with me for the hour. And if you are a longtime listener, welcome back. I'm always so thrilled to have you here. It's such a pleasure to support you and serve you. And I am really excited because today I'm going to be breaking down in full details how I got a literary agent and a book deal with a traditional publishing company. So I'm going to break down every single step, what I learned along the way, how I did it um, all by myself. And it's just been something I'm so proud of. I just got my official news um, just recently and I have been on cloud nine ever since. So in true Kelly Track fashion, I am taking everything I learned from my journey and teaching it exactly to you. I'm going to be telling you what to do and what not to do and the mistakes I made and giving you a heads up on things you can avoid and stuff that worked really well. So Make sure that you are got a pen and paper handy. If you are considering starting a book or writing one or pitching one, or you want to go through the route of having a traditional publishing house publish your book, this episode is totally for you. P.S. Before we dive in, I want to let you know about my free quiz. It's called What's Your Zone of Genius? I've helped over 5,000 people figure out their genius through this totally free quiz. It's really fun. It's two minutes. And through taking this quiz, you're going to learn what your innate strengths are, what your superpowers are, and how you can turn that into a digital business that makes 10K months. Once you're done answering these really fun 13 little questions, I'm going to send you a free five-page report that breaks down your genius type. I'm going to tell you what your genius is, what your strengths are, how you can monetize those gifts, what services you could be selling, what offerings you could be creating based on those gifts, how you could market them, and most importantly, how you can make money from them online. So this is a free report I'm sending you. It's five pages. I spend a lot of time writing these out for every single genius type. There's over 15 genius types you can score. And if you want to know what your Arizona genius is, you can go to kellytrack.com genius. That's kellytrack.com genius to take the free quiz. All right. So I want to just like dive in and get right to the good stuff about everything about this book journey. So Let's just rewind. Uh, back in January of 2020, I had a very clear idea to do a book. Now, I have been running this business for the last uh, three and a half years. Technically, January 2020 would have been my three-year birthday on this business, okay? Because my business birthday is every single January on January 11th. It's the 11th day of the first month, so it's 111. And I didn't plan it like that, but I am into numerology. And looking back, I was just like, oh, the angels from above really wanted me to build this business. Anywho, so just so you know, because this is key to the story, I pitched this book three years into building this business, right? So it wasn't like I pitched this on day one. So I had an idea for a book concept and I didn't really know it was going to be a book concept. I actually had wanted to initially turn it into a course because we were in Hawaii in December and we were there for three weeks and I was having a great time. And every single time I go to Hawaii, I usually get an idea of what I want to do. And it was a very clear download of create your next course. And I had the topic for my course and you know, something kind of happened. I was just like, 
I don't know if I really want to do a course. I already have three courses, but I love courses and courses is my sweet spot. It's what I'm known for. It's what I enjoy doing. It's easy for me to make, but I was like, I kind of feel like this content is even more special than a course. So there were local TEDx talks happening in the new year. And in December, I applied for a TEDx with topic, uh, or TEDx talk with my topic. Wow. What a tongue twister. TEDx top. No, TEDx talk with my topic. <laughs> I did apply for a TEDx talk with my topic. I thought I was going to get it. Like I literally thought I am totally getting this. I am 100% destined for this. The place where I was pitching to, who was hosting the TEDx conference, I was like, I'm a shoe in like, hello. Anyways, I did not get this TED talk and I was crushed. I was like, what the heck? I was literally gobsmacked because I thought I was seriously a shoe in Anyways, as Gabby Bernstein would say, rejection is protection. And she teaches that in her book, Super Attractor, which is such a great book. Or no, she teaches that in The Universe Has, her, Has Your Back, which is another great book of Gabby Bernstein's. But anyways, so I was like, okay, this is weird. You know, I have this idea for this concept. I don't really want to do it in a course. This TEDx is, talk is not working out. And I kind of had this random idea. Well, what if I tried for a book? Well, I'm going to also say this. This is not the first book concept I had. I had a book concept back in 2017, which I actually tried to pitch to agents and publishing houses and I didn't get a deal. So this would be my second crack at trying to get a book deal in 2020. So I was like, hey, let me try. I think I have... A I think I have like a decent enough topic idea. I have developed a following from the last three years of building my business. I have followers. I have people that listen to the podcast. I have like a reputation. I have case studies, success stories. I have my courses. Like I, I have a full business. When I first pitched my first book in 2017, I was like brand new. I was in the first year of my business and I didn't really have any audience or following. And that was the biggest thing I got rejected on from agents. It was like, Hey, we like your topic, but you need more following. Fair enough. So the next thing I did was get really clear on what I wanted to do with this, with this topic. And I was like, you know what? I'm just getting this clear download that it needs to be a book. And I was like, okay, Sure. You know, I'm pretty good with rolling with my intuitive hits and my my pings, as Lacey Phillips would say, and my my ideas. So I was like, let's try for a book. So based on my previous experience pitching a book, I already knew that if I wanted to create a nonfiction book, I would need to put together a book proposal. So what exactly is a book proposal? This is a very long document, and it's essentially a business plan for your book which is amazing because because I come from my business background and I've been to business school, I can write proposals and things like this all day long. They're so easy for me to make. So here's what happens in a book proposal. You give a summary of what the book is about. You explain, you know, who you are as the author. You explain what your background is, why you're an expert. You have to position and explain why you are the only person that can write this book. You have to talk about who the potential target markets are for this book, who are the potential readers and audience. You have to come up with a list of all of your chapters and a little paragraph to accompany each chapter to explain. Here you go. Here's like essentially the outline and overview of my book from introduction to final chapter. This is everything I'm going to talk about. You have to come in with a full marketing plan of how you are going to be marketing this book from pre-order campaign to when it's out in the world, what you are going to do as the author, because so much of book marketing falls on you as the author. And then you also conclude 
with a comparative analysis of other books in the marketplace and how your book will compare to other similar books that have similar genres or titles or written by similar people. And you have to make the case as to why your book is different from what's on the market, why people will buy it. Um, you have to also make a case for why publishing houses specifically will want to take you on based on comparative sales of other books in your in your niche or whatever you're teaching on. So I put together this proposal and all in all, it sat at 53 pages. This was a document I worked on for, for some serious time. Now, I wanted to do a book proposal in a better way than I had before because I had written my first one and I had pulled out my old, old book book proposal from my very first book I pitched, which was, if you've been following me for a while, it was F this shit, I'm curing myself, how to ditch chronic illness and get a life. Very different than the book I'm pitching now. And I still have to keep what I'm doing in my book kind of under wraps for a while until I officially announce the topic. So if you're wondering why is Kelly not talking about what the topic is of her book, it's because I'm doing it intentionally because it will be coming out at a later date. Um, but anyways, I had dusted off my old proposal for F this shit and I was looking at it. And I was like, gosh, this is not super strong. I could make it better. And I started to Google things online about, you know, how to write a good nonfiction book proposal. And I stumbled across Jensen Chero's website as one does. And Jensen Chero has a course called how to write your nonfiction book proposal in seven days or less. So I grabbed my credit card immediately. It was 97 bucks. I paid for it and it was great. And I was off to the races. So she kind of walks you through in modules how to set up your proposal. And most importantly, she gives you a uh, an example of her own proposal that she pitched, right? Oh my God. If you are considering writing a book and pitching it to agents and publishing houses, looking at somebody's proposal is just night and day. Because when you see it, you're like, oh, okay, this is the level of work it needs to be at. Like, this is how convincing it needs to be. This is how detailed and immaculate it needs to be. This is how like clear and concise it needs to be. So Jen's course really helped me out. And, you know, with the concept of the book I was pitching, I knew this work inside out. And, you know, Jen's course was like, write your proposal in seven days or less. I was like, done. I literally wrote my book proposal in seven days. I did work on it every single day, like all day, all night, not all night. I slept at night, but you know what I mean? Like literally for eight, nine hours a day for seven days straight. And I got the book proposal done. You know, it was a testament to how great her course was, but also just the fact that I knew my work inside out. And it was easy for me to put together this book because based on so many courses I've created in the past, when I have an idea, I know how to teach it and execute on it really quickly. Um, so I had put to this together over the span of seven days and then the proposal was done. One of the cool things about a book proposal is that it is a sample of you and a sample of your writing. So I also got to have fun with this proposal because I was essentially using this book proposal as one main writing sample of what it's like to read Kelly Track's work. And when you're sending it out to agents or publishing houses, they want a vibe for your tone, right? And your voice. So the whole proposal was written in this like really fun, upbeat, edgy, witty way. And, you know, I write like I talk. So I was just writing it as myself. And when I was done the proposal, I was like, oh my God, I want to read this book. I wrote this proposal. I'm so proud of this proposal. I don't know. I would like to somewhere put it somewhere eventually. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know where it's going to go. I would like to show you the proposal at some point in time, especially if you want to write a book, because when I finished the proposal, I was like, holy shit, I have a really good concept for a book. And like, holy shit, this is funny. Like I would read the stuff back that I wrote. And I was like, 
wow, I'm good. Like, you know, when you're, when you're creating a book, we have so much imposter syndrome around like, who am I to do this? Or am I really good enough? Or is anybody even going to like, listen to me? And when I was reading the the proposal, I just kept getting reminded of how strong my pitch really was. And here is my, my note for you. When you're creating a, um, a book proposal, Spend the time to make it really strong. Oh, also at the end, there's three sample chapters. How could I forget this? This took me actually the longest was to write because the publishing house and the agents, they want to get a sense of your writing style. So I also included three sample chapters at the end of my proposal as well. So I had the types of those all out, but I was just so proud of it by the time I was done. So that was the whole proposal. And the biggest piece of all was the fact that I just, I found a course on how to write one and I spent time on writing a really, really good one. And I really tried to hit it out of the park with the proposal. Now, the next step in your publishing journey is getting an agent. So how does this work? Well, getting an agent is a little bit of a a tricky science. And I listened to so many podcasts about how I got an agent and I Googled and researched so many places where it was about how to get an agent and it was so convoluted and confusing. And I want to break down for you how I got an agent. So first and foremost, you have to send a query letter to agents. That is pretty much like um, a, uh, a cover letter. That's the word I'm looking for when you're applying for a job, right? So you give a little tiny one pager This is like four paragraphs, three to four paragraphs max, short and sweet, because agents get sent like 100 to 200 queries a day. So you have to write your query letter. It's got to be like good and tight and exciting and engaging. And it's got to showcase you and your writing style, like all in one go in, you know, three to four paragraphs, which is a little bit of a challenge. But I had a really strong query letter and I wrote it. And I kind of had just one query letter that I was using and I would sort of, I would change out the, the top two paragraphs depending on the agent I was pitching. So I kind of had my, like my little hook, I was explaining in each pitch to each um, agent why I was pitching them. Um, I was explaining like, you know, I'm pitching you because you've represented similar titles. You've taken on authors who have similar voices to me. You've done work in this similar space. And then I would talk about what the book was about in like two sentences. And then I would talk about me in my bio in a couple sentences. And then I'd end like, if you're interested, you can follow up with me for my proposal. So that's the next step is once agents get your query letter and if they like it, they'll ask to read your proposal. But you don't just send out your proposal. That's like a no-no. It has to be kind of by invitation only. So... The next phase was, all right, how do you figure out which agents you pitch? This, my friends, is the million dollar question. And in the traditional book publishing journey, this was definitely my longest chunk of time, right? So I started working on the book in January and I officially signed my agent in May. So that's how long it took in terms of pitching, hearing back, waiting. I have shared in other podcast episodes, I pitched over 200 agents And I did read an article about, you know, you need to hit at least 150 agents in order to get one person interested. I pitched 200 agents. At the end of the day, I had two offers, two great offers from two amazing agents. So essentially it's that one in a hundred, right? So you do have to hit your numbers. That is one of the things with publishing. You're going to have to pitch a lot of agents in hopes of getting one. So, So there is that element, but it's totally worth it because it's all about finding just that one person. It only takes one, you know, it only takes one agent to say yes to you and then you're off to the races. So how exactly did I find agents? Well, there's no one place you can go. So I had to get really creative. Number one, I would look at 
top authors who did similar works to me, who wrote in similar spaces, who had similar concepts. I literally went through bestsellers in the self-help space, the business space, and I made this list of all these authors and then I got uh, one of my assistants to research who these agents were. So sometimes you can figure out somebody's agent by looking at their website. Generally speaking, on the contact page, it will say like, for book inquiries, please contact so-and-so, right? So you could find some details there. If not, you could look at their physical book because generally speaking, authors thank their agents in the acknowledgement sections of the book. So I was doing that. I was went to literally the um, the bookstore in Vancouver, Canada, where I live. And this was in like January, February before COVID. So we could go in the bookstore and I would go to the sections and I would look in the back and the acknowledgement sections to see who's agent uh was was aligned to which author so we had this huge list of authors and agents that's one source of place where i found agents because here's the thing with agents and publishing houses you can't just go for any agent it's got to be the agent that works in your niche the agent that likes your style of writing and the agent that takes on authors like you so I write nonfiction. I was pitching in the the business slash self-help space um, and I have a really quirky edgy voice right my writing is not super polished it's really funny raw vulnerable I'm really myself and that style is not for everybody so it's really like putting puzzle pieces together of finding the right agent that clicks exactly with you Hence, why you got to pitch a lot of people. So the first place I would recommend looking for agents for is, is, is through looking through which other authors have been published and who are their agents. The second thing that I found really helpful was a site called Publishers Marketplace. Now, this is a paid subscription and Publishers Marketplace is a place that showcases all the deals that are happening in publishing. Who just got published? Which agent just signed um, a deal with which house? Which houses are taking on like, you know, new projects? What projects did they just acquire? You can see how much deals went for, you can see how much, to a degree, what authors got in terms of a compensation. They'll say, is it like a nice deal, a very good deal, a six-figure deal? So there's a lot of details in Publishers Marketplace. It's $25 US per month, which is great because you can just use it for the months when you're querying agents and then cancel your subscription. I think I had my subscription for like three to four months. Um, so super affordable. And it was just such a great way because you can look in the deal makers sections and I would literally click deal makers and I would go to business and finance and I'd start at the top and work my way down to the top deal makers and then I would pitch them all and then I just work through that list right and the thing is when you're in publishers marketplace you can click on the agents you can see their past deals you can see who they represented in the past who they still represent what deals they brokered and this is really telling as to what the agent can sell and what the agent represents so for example I mean, the books I'm writing, it's not like going to be like Christian, right? There's definitely like the Christian literature. I'm not pitching a Christian work, right? So I wouldn't reach out to agents that are representing Christian literature, right? For example, I'm not pitching um, self-help and spirituality. Like I'm not really pitching all these agents that are only doing spiritual books, right? I'm pitching businesses that are, or sorry, I'm pitching agents that are more interested in a little bit more of a business slant. So you are clicking essentially through all these agents and you're going through these lists of the deal makers to see who might be a potential fit for you. And then when you find somebody, you find their email or you go to their website and then you see how they want to be uh, pitched because every single agent is different. And as you can tell, this is a complicated project of getting a book deal. <laughs> so when you find an aligned agent, you go to their website and you see how they want to be pitched if they want um 
you know, a certain length of query letter, if they want you to pitch through this specific email, if they want it through this portal instead, if they want sample chapters, if they want no sample chapters, if they want the whole proposal up front, if they want to see your book exclusively only at once, or if you can pitch to other agents, if they want you to send it in via mail. And this is another thing. If you don't pitch to the agent in the exact way that they want it, it immediately shows that you're not detailed and you're not serious. It's like looking for jobs. You can't say, hi, I'm applying to Facebook when you're actually applying to Google, right? So you want to make sure you're really, really taking the time to be super detail oriented and sending the right thing to the right people with the right person's name in it, because you are sending a lot of pitches. It's the same as applying for jobs, right? When you have a standard ish cover letter and you're just sort of tweaking it and changing things every time and then tweaking the resume every single time to make it a little bit different, depending on the job description, same thing goes with getting an agent. So those were the two places where I was finding agents the most. I was looking um, with aligned authors, publishers, marketplace. I was also Googling things like top self-help agents, Googling top business agents. And I was just working my way through any lists that I was finding online. I was telling everybody that I knew that I was looking for an agent. I posted it on Instagram, posted it on Facebook, posted it on LinkedIn, and repeatedly even said, if you listen back in old episodes of the podcast, I'd be like, hey, I'm looking for a literary agent. If you know somebody that works in nonfiction, um, please let us know, like, please let me know and please connect us. And that's, those are sort of the main sources of where I was finding agents and pitching. So it took me five months of pitching and like I pitched I was pitching a ton and I would just go through and just try to hit my number because I had read and heard like if you want uh, an agent, you got to be prepared to make 150 pitches. So I was like, OK, I'll we'll just keep pitching now. Before I had my two formal agent offers come in, I had a lot of interest from other agents. I had about let me count one, two, three, four, four other agents that were like interested in me and we went back and forth for a while or we had calls but they never formally offered me anything in the long run but were like interested and these I would say these were some of the hardest because these came up all soon and initially and I was like oh my goodness this is so exciting I have a potential agent interested in me but then they would kind of fizzle out but they would teach me things along the way and sometimes when agents get back to you sometimes they'll give you input on what they liked about their, your project or what they didn't like. And when I heard back from many agents and when people would give me repeating sources of information that was similar and similar feedback, I would be like, okay, this is something I had to change. So for example, the title of the book, a lot of people wanted to change the subtitle of the book. A lot of people wanted to change. Um, and that was just a cue that it needed to be stronger. I also reworked my entire proposal halfway between uh, January and May because something happened and that was COVID-19 right smack dab in the middle of me pitching agents. So I needed to change up my proposal to make it relevant to today's world, to what was happening in the world, um, making it relevant for today's reader essentially. So I reworked the whole proposal and I actually did a couple other changes. I actually went way more broad on my book. So this was something that was new to me that I learned. You can only really write a specific book in publishing for a specific specific group of people if you are a very proven author. Otherwise, if it's your first time writing a book, you're going to have better success writing a book that's way more broad. So my target audience for my book is seriously pretty much everybody and their dog. Everybody and their dog can read my book. In the first time I had written and pitched the book, it was specifically for one target market um, who wanted to achieve a certain outcome and a certain goal. And that was a very tiny slice of the pie. 
And that was one of the things that I had spent a lot of time on was actually just taking taking a whole weekend to redo the proposal because I was like, dang, I got to change up my proposal. So I re-changed it up and then I had sent it back to a couple agents that I thought would have been, you know, interested in my stuff and who were kind of chatting with me before and never really offered me anything. I was just like politely being like, hey, I have my updated proposal. Do you want to take a peek? And I had got... I still remember when I got my first initial offer and the first initial offer, I, I just like couldn't believe it. It just came via email. And I was surprised because I had agents before were calling me and wanting to chat with me. And I thought, oh, this is it. They're going to offer me something at the end of our call. And that totally wasn't the case. But I was just sitting on a random Sunday. We were, my sister and I were eating avocado on toast and I was in my sweatpants. I wasn't wearing any makeup. I checked my emails because I had just politely followed up with other agents that I had been messaging and they had my proposal and they hadn't, I hadn't really heard anything back. And, um, one of them was like, Hey, I'd like to represent you. So when you have an agent that's interested in you and offers you an offer of representation, that's what the technical word is. You can go tell everybody else that is slightly interested in your proposal, but hasn't officially offered you anything. If they want to essentially offer you representation as well, you say, you change the subject line to literally offer of representation. You say, hey, so-and-so, I know you still have my proposal. Totally okay if you're still reading it. I just wanted to let you know that I have an agent who's offered me um, an offer. I'm giving you until the end of the week. You give them like literally between seven to 14 days to get back to you um, and let me know and we'll take it from there. That's essentially the tone of the email. So I got another agent interested um, when I had sent those emails out and then a lot of other agents just, they just passed. They said, totally all good. I'm so happy for you that you have an agent. I'm just going to bow out. And a lot of agents will bow out at this stage because that's just what, you know, what, what they're doing essentially in that second email They're they're trying to get to know from my, from my understanding, cause I did a lot of research on this. When other agents know that you already have an offer, they are pretty much trying to go through your proposal and get to know just to make sure that, you know, you're not a client for them. Because if they really, really love you, then they'll be like, oh, I will send you and give you an offer too. And now you're going to have competing offers and you're going to have to like pick. So at the end of the day, I had two offers from two agents and both were amazing. Um, both of them actually, they were actually very different. They were like night and day. First and foremost, I was super proud of myself because I got two amazing agents, like two top agents, um, top deal makers in the business and finance space. I was really blown away by the result and the caliber of agents. I was, I was getting offers from because I literally, I had even pitched people that were like just starting out in their agent kind of career. And, um, they were just very different people. One of them was coming from an editorial background. One of them was coming from an author background. I just felt like one of them was way more similar to me and how I would work. And one of them was more different and more complimentary in terms of skills and way more detailed and analytical. And I actually ended up being like, oh my goodness, I don't know. I kind of had a gut feeling on which one I wanted to go with. And, um, my gut feeling on which one I wanted to go with was the one I ended up signing. And you know, your gut's always right, but I asked for a sign and I had kind of nicknamed these two agents, the tortoise and the hare, because I had seven days, uh, to, you know, close and figure out which one I was going to pick. So I was like, Hey, if I'm going to go with agent one, I need the universe to kind of present me like a rabbit or like a rabbit symbol. And if I'm going to go with agent number two, I need the universe to present me with like a tortoise or like a turtle or something like that. Just because they were such different energies, I thought tortoise in the hair was, was a cute little metaphor. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to let this go. But I said, universe, I need you to show me a sign within 24 hours. So it was really crazy because only a couple hours later, we were sitting at the table and, um, 
it was a family dinner and my oma was there and my oma is 99 and she's old and she's uh she's losing it a little bit and has a little bit of dementia but she was sitting next to me and i was eating my vegan beyond meat burger in like a lettuce wrap because i'm gluten-free and i eat pretty much vegan so she sat there and she's like, oh, she's like, Kelly, she's like, you eat just like a rabbit. She's like, did I ever tell you that I had rabbits growing up? We had a mopal and a hopal. We had two rabbits. And she was going on and on and on about rabbits and her rabbits and the two rabbits growing up and how I was eating like a rabbit. And it was just like, I was like, okay, universe, this is awesome. This is the clear intuitive hit I need to know. The second thing I did was I logged back into Publishers Marketplace to see um, the deals that the two agents had done just to refresh my memory on, you know, who pitched what and how many deals they sold and how many deals they made. Because getting an agent and the agent's job, the agent's job is to sell your book, right? Um, so I looked at the deals they made. One literally had done 10x the deals that the other one made. And uh, the one that had done 10x the deals was the one that intuition was calling me towards and the one that was represented by the rabbit. So I knew all day long I wanted to go with her and I just emailed her back and said like I yeah uh, I want to go with you the other thing I will say is I did have a call with both agents I wanted to talk to both it's really important for me to get a vibe on everybody that I work with like I'm not going to hire somebody without talking to them in the same way I'm not going to work with a client without speaking to them first because this is a partnership and a business partnership I need to make sure that the agent that I was working with really understood my vision, was really excited about my project, wanted to pitch it, had the right connections. Both agents totally had the right connections because they were top deal makers. But I was kind of going for a vibe check, right? An intuitive check. And um, I called them both. I just asked them my list of questions. I came prepared with my list of 10 questions. I Googled questions to ask a literary agent before a call. I had everything ready. I asked for three references at the end from each. Um, I called their references. I scheduled times to talk to every reference. I had my questions ready for my references. And I just went through the due diligence process in order to make a really good choice because this is a very big contract you sign. You know, part of a literary agent's job is not only to get you the deal, but to make sure your royalties are getting paid properly that you're getting fairly compensated and your deal with the publishing house your book is a deal that lasts 70 years past your lifetime so it's your whole lifetime plus 70 years past which is this is a lifetime deal this is one of the biggest contracts you will literally sign in your life because it exists once you die so this is not something that you want to work with somebody who's junior on so i really did my due diligence um at the end of the day, I would have been happy with either agent. They were both fabulous, but one of them I just felt more intuitively called towards and I signed with her. It is Marianne Carinch of the Rudy Agency. She's amazing. I am like so over the moon that I have Marianne as my agent. Marianne is amazing. I'm going to toot her horn. Marianne is one of the top five deal makers in the business and finance section. She signs a lot of books and sells a lot of books to publishing houses and when Marianne offered me representation I was like holy shit Marianne wants to work with me and she's just amazing she has written like over 20 books herself and she ghost writes and she knows the literary scene inside out so I love working with Marianne Marianne also got me a deal in record time holy cow I'm going to tell you about that in the second half of this but um I was really glad I went with her and she she, I had, um, I had a manifestation list for both my publishing house and my agent. And I had like a list of 
Hmm, there was probably like 20 qualities on each, 20 non-negotiables I wanted in a publishing house and an agent, and Marianne matched all of those, and my publishing house matched all of those too. I was following Lacey Phillips' uh, formula and magnetism formula on how to manifest and call things in. And part of that, because I'm a specific in human, des human design, I have to get really specific on what I want to call in. So Marianne matched my list to a T, and yeah, that was sort of the process of getting an agent. Um, I will say there's a really great podcast episode I did. If you scroll back, it's about, it's called uh, what I learned from over 200 rejection letters. And I know I'm skimming through this process really fast right now, but man, when I was just pitching and pitching and getting no all day, it was really hard. And I kept getting rejected. Actually, a lot of agents told me that I didn't have a big enough following and a lot of them were concerned that publishing houses wouldn't take me seriously because I didn't have a big enough following. I will tell you this, my agent, she didn't say peep about my following. So following was not an issue at the end of the day, but um, so many other agents had rejected me on that or had been like quick to spot that being like my biggest weakness. And Marianne was just like straight up. She's like, I love your concept. I love your idea. She's like, you know, I love your energy. Um, and I was like, that's exactly what I want. I want somebody who's going to like look at my strengths and cheerlead me and not be like, oh, this is your one weakness. Like, how are you going to fix this? Um, so I, I'm just, I love Marianne. I love working with her and I'm just really honored that she is my agent. So once I signed with Mary Ann, we had a month because we're also smack dab in the middle of COVID quarantine, right? So we had about a month when um, from May to June, when I really wasn't hearing anything from her and I followed up with her and I was like, Hey, how's it going? Just wanted to check in. And she's like the publishing houses. Um, a lot of the editors who work at the publishing houses that will be accepting and looking at my proposal, they're not back to work yet. Um, so we just got to give a little bit more time. And I said, okay, totally all good. I was like, no worries. I trust you do whatever you want. And so a month had sort of gone by since I signed her in May. And then it was sort of like end of June. And then she started in June sending me emails. She's like, oh, she's like, the the top editor that I recommend for your book is back to work. And she, her and I were kind of going back and forth on email. And this is when it all just happened really fast because she sent two publishing houses my proposal. So Marianne's strategy was essentially pitch the top two most aligned publishing houses and see if they want to take Kelly's book. The first one got back to us very quickly. So like within a week, from her saying he's he's back to work. He was emailing Marianne about potential deal structures. And then Marianne was asking me like, hey, would you go for this kind of package? Would you go for this kind of conversation? When do you think you can write the book? How long is it going to take? What do you think the word count's going to be? And I would send her my stuff and she sent it back. A couple of days later, she's like, hey, he wants to get on the phone with you. And he wants to talk to you. So this is the, sort of the next stage in the publishing journey when you and your agent and your potential publishing house get on a call together and you chat. So we had a Zoom call, the three of us. Um, I got to meet, uh, a meet, got to meet my, my potential editor. I asked him questions. He asked me questions, just sort of the standard questions about learning more about me and my project and how I was going to market it. And, um, you know, he wanted to make sure that I was excited to, to work on this and sell this. And, you know, a book is a very different project than, you know, my signature, your conscious empire course, which sits at almost $2,000, you know, and he wanted to make sure that I would be excited to sell a book where I'm not going to be making the same amount of profit as like a $2,000 course, right, where I get to keep all the profit. Whereas with the publishing house, you know, you and the publishing house, it's a very different 
it's a different thing, right? Get, making a book is not a get-rich-quick scheme by any means. <laughs> so we were talking about that, and I was reassuring him, being like, I'm super stoked. I want to do this. This is what I want to do. And we had that call, and it concluded. It was like 30 minutes. And then literally the following week, I got a call from Marianne. And when, between that week, when it was going by, I was just like, I don't think I did a good job. I don't know if this was good. I don't know if I'm going to get an offer. Like, I really loved this publishing house. This is the first and only one we had talked to. It was also Marianne's top pick for me. And I was like, I don't know. I kind of think I flubbed it. I don't think I did a good job. And the next week I had got a call from Marianne. Marianne was calling me and I picked up the phone. And um, actually it was funny because my call had dropped because I was inside, um, an apartment building and I had to go outside and like call her back. And she's like, Kelly, she's like, can you hear me? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> she's like, guess what I'm doing? And I was like, um, maybe we got like an offer on the book. She's like, oh, we're already working on the contract. And I was like, really? And I, I, I burst into tears. I was so excited. I was like shaking. I, I it was just me. You know, that's another thing. I was hoping that maybe I could somehow capture this moment on camera of when I got my offer, but it was so beautiful because it was just me. It was a random Thursday. I got this call from Mary Ann. I was just so over the moon. Um, I immediately called my family. I called uh, my boyfriend, Chris. I texted all my friends telling them the news. And that is essentially how I got my publishing deal. It went so fast. So this is another thing. We went with, so my publisher is Ben Bella. Um, my editor is Matt Holt, and he's starting a new imprint at Ben Bella. And um, I love Ben Bella, and I picked Ben Bella for several reasons. And I actually went with Ben Bella. They Ben Bella was our first choice. Marianne's very top choice for me. The second was uh, a big five publishing house, but they wouldn't have been the right fit for me. I kind of had expressed my concerns around, I don't know if they're going to love my tone of voice. She had said that if we went with this second publishing house, they would want to cut all the swear words from my book and stuff. And I was like, mm, no, not that I need to have a million swear words in my book, but I need to write like me. So I was, I loved Ben Bella. Ben Bella's approach to publishing is really modern. And, um, the deal they offered me was extremely lucrative. And that was very important to me as a business owner. I don't, I mean, you don't just sign a deal based on how much money they offer you, but in terms of me feeling really valued as an equal, I really felt like Ben Bella did that. And even before we even had our initial call between me, Marianne and, and my editor, Matt, oh my God, I can call him my editor. Oh my God. <laughs> Crazy. Um, I was like, oh my God, I love Ben Bella. I was like telling Marianne, if they offer us a deal, like say yes. <laughs> and I had just been reading their website and I know Melissa Ambrosini's book Open Wide is through Ben Bella. So I already knew about this publishing house. But anyways, it all happened really fast. So essentially, I signed Marianne as my agent in May. June essentially was a write off because of COVID. Uh, and the beginning of July was when we started talking about, you know, people being interested in, in my work and my in my book and Matt Holt reaching out and saying we're interested and we're, we want to learn more about this and get on a call. And on July 30th is when I got my offer. So it all happened extremely quickly from May, essentially from signing Marianne to end of July, signing my publishing house. That's like a record fast book deal. And the thing that I really love, first and foremost, Marianne is amazing at scoring contracts like this. And I love because she was super focused. Quite often you have to go on submission for a long time. It can take between one year to five years for a publishing house to take your book. So in like selling my book in a month is like kind of unheard of. But the thing is, Marianne kept saying like, she's like, you know, your book is moving fast. She's like, your book is moving fast. She's like, and I want to let you know that this is not just a, she's like, this is because it's special. Like this is a special project. Um, and that just made me feel really good. Cause I was, you know, 
pitching a book in the middle of COVID when everything is kind of unsettled was was a little bit like, is anybody even going to like take my work? Like, you know, like, are we even still printing books? Like people are not even in the office. Like what, what happened to this dream? So it was just really nice that it just kind of went through and everybody was super stoked about it. So yeah, I technically, we just went with our first choice. The first choice offered us representation right away and offered to publish it. And we said yes. And that was that. And so the getting the book deal was, I did like no work other than get on the one call with Marianne and Matt at the same time. But getting the book deal was really awesome and it went really quickly and we went with our first choice and they liked it and we liked them. And um, yeah, so the next thing was getting the formal offer in uh, in an email, signing it. I got my deadline. So I have a deadline of December 1st to write that book. So it's four months, um, which I can totally do. But I was like, holy shit, I got to write this now. It's been all like fun and games. <laughs> and now it's like serious business. But essentially, yes, that's the story of how I got an agent and how I got a book deal. Now, I want to go into some questions around the stuff that would probably naturally come up for you as a listener and questions I had around this journey too. First and foremost, do I need an agent to get to a publishing house? My answer is everybody's different, but I'll speak from my example and my personal experience. I 100% wanted an agent because a lot of publishing houses won't even look at you unless you are represented by an agent. The also, the, the other thing is that publishing houses um, will give you a better deal when you have an agent involved. It's sort of like buying a house if you're not going to just like go to the person and be like, can I buy your house? You want like an agent to represent you, to do the negotiations, to give you a fair deal. I've had heard stories of publishing houses that just give an author a deal straight is not always the best um, deal. You could have gotten a better deal with an agent because that's their job, right? This contract negotiation is their job. You don't pay an agent any money. Um, so they just take 15% of all of your advance and royalties. So they do take 15% across the board, but they do have a, a significant job of selling your book and also making sure that you're getting paid on time. You're getting compensated fairly, like that they're paying you properly and all that kind of stuff. They also handle um, selling like the rights and the audio and like the foreign rights. So if your book gets published in Germany or Spain, or if the the audiobook wants to get released, like they deal with those kinds of things. So it's a lot of like very niche work that I think an agent is so helpful for. And I I know my zone of genius and I know what I'm good at and I know what I suck at. And I was like, I need an agent representing me. And that was like an obvious thing for me. Another thing is, you know, this discussion about do you self-publish? Do you do traditional publisher? I will say getting a deal with a traditional publisher is not easy. Um, I read a stat about 4% of authors get traditionally published deals. So it is quite, it's quite an honor to be published. I will say that given that this is my second book and second time pitching for a traditionally published book deal. Um, but I will say it, it depends. It depends on what you want. You know, first and foremost, um, one of the big rulers was if you self-publish, you don't, you don't, you don't get a crack at the New York times bestseller list. If I want, I want a crack at the New York times bestseller list a hundred percent. So there on that reason alone, I would not self-publish because that is, I, Hey, between you and me, I think I have a really great shot at making New York times bestseller. So I a hundred percent want, want the chance to like score that goal. So that for me ruled out self-publishing immediately. I also um, I, I know where I am weak and that is editing, formatting, um, cover design, you know, distribution. I know you can do things with Amazon now where you, you upload an ebook and then the Amazon will like print it and send it to somebody. 
look, here's the thing. I think that's great if you love that kind of thing. I know for me, I wrote, I literally wrote my very first book and then tried to pitch it. Editing that thing was like a total pain in the butt and I was not good at it. And it took me forever. Um, the other thing I would say is for me, I'm writing this book because I really wanted to write this book and I'm excited to write this book and a book is a specific medium, but I would actually turn other stuff into a, just a course because I'm a verbal processor. I would rule out self-publishing immediately because I'm just way better at verbal communication and it's way simpler for me to make a course than to write another book that I would sell like as a self-published book. So if I, if I was going to actually write a book book, I was like, I need it to be traditionally published. I want an editor. I want, um, somebody to help me with formatting. I want the publishing house to do distribution and rights and audio. Like I just want that off my plate and I'm totally fine. Yeah. You do make less money if you do traditional publishing for sure. And that's the case. A lot of people make a lot of you know, authors, they'll self or they'll publish traditionally. And then if they're making a lot of money, they'll publish on their own independently and they get to recoup more cash. And I totally get that. I think self-publishing versus traditional publishing is such a personal choice for everybody. So I know for me, it came down to two things, three things. Number one, I wanted a chance at the New York times bestseller list. Number two, I need somebody, I need professionals to help me because I'm like, I'm bad at spelling and grammar and even my agent was like, um, you're like, your line editor is going to like really have to work on this. Cause you don't write in like traditional, like MLA formatting. I'm like, Whoa, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I like vaguely remember from like college essays. And then number three, I just know nothing about logistics and shipping and just don't want to touch that. So I was happy with traditional publishing house. That's what I wanted. So that's sort of that. The other thing that people have been asking me and I've been getting questions about is do you need a significant following in order to get an agent and to get a publishing house interested in you? I don't know. It kind of, I only know from my opinion um, and from my experience. Once again, I don't know. I think it depends on what you're writing. First and foremost, if you're writing like a story and you're writing fiction, following does not matter at all. For nonfiction though, publishers are looking for platform driven work. You have to have some sort of thing, right? I, I really would not recommend going in cold because you know what? I made that mistake uh, three years ago in 2017 when I pitched a book and I had no audience and everybody was like, hey, you'd be better if you had an audience. So an audience, hey, friends, people still, so many agents told me my audience wasn't even big enough. And um, I mean, I got an agent and I got a publishing house all by myself with my following. I have like less than 2000 followers on Instagram, but I will say, I have a very good email list. I get a lot of traffic to the podcast, to my website. I had read somewhere online that you need to be able to figure out, prove that you have at least 10,000 followers at least. And I was like, oh, I can totally do that between my email list, my following on my, my um, podcast, my LinkedIn connections. Um, another thing in the book, you have to write down everybody, you know, all your connections, who you think you can get endorsements from, which is like those little snippets on the back of the book, uh, press connections, media connections. Like you literally have to brain dump all your connections and the size of connections. And it's like, if you know, these associations, how many people are in there? Cause they're looking at quantifiable ways to see your audience. So I had a lot of connections I could pull, which was one of my strong suits in the end. I have so many connections to Silicon Valley and tech, um, and big, huge corporations from so many of my friends being in business school and also my time in Silicon Valley and my three startups. So I had good connections, which I could leverage. And I, I really made that clear in my book. And I think that really also made up for the fact that I didn't have like a, a million followers on Instagram. Um, but I would say if you are trying to pitch a book traditionally, you do need some following, not like the whole world following you, but some. Um, and the other thing is like having an established business and audience where you essentially have proved, hey, 
I've helped these people for a long time and I've been doing my line of work for a while and I'm just taking my expertise and my knowledge and I'm turning it into a book. So it's not like you're pitching some brand new thing you just made up. You're you're teaching stuff you've taught all for a long time. Like when I announce my book concept and what I'm creating and what I'm selling uh, for my book, you're going to be like, oh, duh. Like, of course, Kelly's done that for a long time. So I would I would give that advice as well. Now, another question you might have is, you know, do you need to wait for like an agent to approach you? Because when I was looking to learn about traditional publishing, I would listen to podcasts about people who had book deals and everybody generally said either an agent approached me or a publishing house approached me. And you get that when you're like a big celebrity, right? Say, for example, you're Kim Kardashian. Okay, of course, agents are approaching her, right? Kim Kardashian doesn't really need to like sit down and pitch 200 agents, right? But one of the things that I am really proud of is that nobody came to me. I went and I got it, right? And that's something I want to relay to you. You don't need to wait around till somebody comes and says, hey, we like you. We want to give you a book. I was like, fuck that. Hey, everybody. I'm Kelly Track. This is my concept for a book. Are you interested? Do you want to be my agent? <laughs> um, and I, I, don't, I just don't wait and sit around for people to come reach out to me. And I really believed in my book and I still do. I'm so stoked to write it. But the thing is, you don't need to wait for somebody to approach you. And I was kind of getting bummed because I kept listening to podcasts of authors who had agents reach out to them. And gosh, the agent process was the hardest process for me because it took me so long and I had a ton of rejection and some not so nice rejection that I talk about in the episode where I share what I learned from 200 plus rejection letters. So I'm just proud that I pitched agents myself. I did it the old fashioned way and then we got a publishing house and then that was done. Another question you might have is, you know, what was more exciting, getting the agent or getting the book deal? I might surprise you with my answer, but my answer was I was actually more shocked when I got the agent because I knew the second I signed Mary Ann, I was like, I don't have any work to do. It was, it was an amazing feeling. And it was a little bit of a different feeling than I've ever felt in my life because I was like, um, my friends would be like, Hey, how's it going with the agent? And I'd be like, great. I, I'm doing like no work. This is like Mary Ann's job from here on out because it's kind of like, you know, when you're doing, um, relays and you're like passing the torch you know when the olympics we had the olympics in vancouver in 2010 and there was the torch and you pass it from person to person or you have the baton and you're doing like a relay race and you pass the baton i literally felt like i was just passing the baton to marianne and she was running her track on the race and i was like just sitting back and chilling so i knew that the second i signed marianne my work was done um with my book proposal and she was going to champion the project from here on out because marianne had the connections to the publishing houses she knew the people she knew the editors and i could just sit back and relax until she messaged me with some sort of update on a potential deal or somebody being interested so when i got the agent i was super stoked because i was like great my work kind of ends here until we hear more back because this is sort of Marianne's work from here on out, which was really amazing. So I feel like getting the agent was such a big win. Obviously getting the deal was huge, but the thing is, is I kind of knew the deal was coming. I, I knew that, you know, things were going well and Matt was moving really fast on our project and, um, they were the first ones to offer us an offer and you know just as much the speed he was moving at that's another thing I would really take into note is how fast are these agents getting back to me or how fast you know are these publishing houses getting back to me because I want somebody that's excited about my project and Matt was getting back to us extremely fast and I kind of I knew like and I was listening to what Marianne was saying like she's been doing this for years years writing books herself and pitching stuff for her clients like and when she was saying Kelly your stuff's moving fast because it was good I believed her you know because she's the she's the pro <laughs> so 
you know, I was really stoked to sign Marianne. I was excited when I got the deal too, but I would say I was more excited to sign Marianne because that meant that I knew like, oh, I'm totally getting a deal. And that was really exciting. Another question you might have is, you know, how do I know that I should be turning my content into a book? This is a really interesting question because I've heard so many people online be like, you know, really question yourself if the content you want to put is truly into a book format. Now, I don't know. I think people get really like uptight about this. Like I've listened to podcasts and like agents come on and they're like, yeah, you should really question yourself if you really want to write a book. Like, is it really worth a book? Like, is it really, are people really going to listen to you? And that's sort of the vibe and tone I got from a lot of people. I would say, you know, the universe is always working in different ways and you kind of got to listen to your intuitive downloads and your pings and your intuition here. Because I know for me, I was getting the, the signs that this needed to go into a book format. And for many reasons, you know, I wanted to make this work accessible. I wanted to create something that was uh, just a different product than I've been offering for a long time, right? I've always talked to pretty much the same corner of the internet for the last three, three and a half years in this business. Um, and I wanted to reach new people. Like I wanted to have a book that I could serve to, you know, you know, random people all over the world, whether that's like a random gal in New Zealand looking at my book cover or some dude at the airport in Arizona buying it before his flight and maybe before a job interview when he's feeling uncertain. You know, maybe it's for somebody like a, a gal in China who's just graduating and is considering, you know, starting her, her dream and her passion and is debating if she wants to go to traditional university or, you know, start her first Etsy shop online and do her soul's calling selling jewelry. Like I kind of wanted to have this thing that could serve people in a bigger way and a thing in which it could kind of really kind of do its magic in the world and reach the people it needed to reach through the divine ways of the universe and ways in which we get the messages from the teachers we need to hear from. And, you know, I think if you have a concept for a book, I, I, I would say, think about the way in which you want to support and teach. I will tell you this, after running my business for three years, I knew I had wanted to do a book because I had kind of done so many other content formats already, right? I have the podcast. I have been, I've been doing the podcast since 2017. Um, I have three courses. I've got, I've done the eBooks. I've done the live group coaching programs. I've done on the one-on-one -on -one coaching. I have done the membership site. Uh, I've done almost every single format of teaching materials in, in every way possible for my online business. And I was like, Hey, it's time for me to do a book. You know, looking back to me in 2017, pitching my very first book, the advice I'd give to that girl, I would say, yo, sell this as an ebook on your site or turn this into a course, like do it where you could just crank it out and stick it up for sale ASAP while you have a small following and come back down the road later if you want to turn around and, um, you know, turn it into a real book later, but go sell it on your own website first and go try, you know, don't put this crazy pressure on yourself. But I think if you want to write a book, go for it. I would say, um, my biggest recommendation is honest I know this is kind of a shitty piece of advice but it's a piece of advice that you might not want to hear but I will say I would say build your business for two or three years straight I did hear this actually from Jessica Renan many many moons ago she said you know around the two-year mark in your business that's when sort of the magic happens because you've been showing up two years like every single day I think it was around the two-year mark when she got her book deal I know for me I got my book deal at three and a half years but I would say this Put some serious love and devotion into your business, master your craft, and then once you've mastered your craft, you can prove to a publisher that you know what the heck you're doing and you've been doing it for a while helping people and now you can turn it into a book um, because they're just looking for proven concepts that you can sell in book format, right? So 
I would say if you want to do a book, awesome, but maybe make it like a five-year goal if you're just starting out. Um, but if you are already a couple of years into your business, I'd say go for it um, and listen to your intuition. If you feel really called to put your stuff into a book, do it. I have heard like snobby agents being like, are you sure this is not just like a um, something that should go in a blog post? I, I, you can't see my, me, but I was literally rolling my eyes right there. Listen to your intuition. I know for me, I felt the call to put this in books. So I was like, screw it. We're doing a book. <laughs> so I would say spend time working on your business. And when you have a platform and you feel intuitively called to write a book, that's a good time to write a book. Another question you might have is how much money can you make from a book? That's a great question. And I don't even know. <laughs> I'm at the beginning of my journey. My deal structure is different. Um, I might get into the deal structure later at another point in time. I don't know if I even can talk about the financial compensation of my deal. And I don't know if that's private or not, but um, this is how it usually goes. Generally speaking, advances for authors sit between ten dollars to $20,000 unless you go to auction and many publishing houses are bidding on your book. Or if you are like a celebrity, you might get a six-figure deal or a seven-figure deal. Generally speaking, you're going to get an advance of um, ten dollars to $20,000. And that advance, you don't get any royalties until you earn back the advance. I have definitely heard the stat that most authors don't make any money past your advance, which to me is shocking and alarming because there's like no way in hell I'm going to work on a project if I only can make 10 to 20 grand given my time investment. Like a book is going to take months. So for me, I'm like, crap, I got to write the best book so that this is like, you know, something that's going to sell more than just like a little bit worth, right? So Generally speaking, if you sign a traditional deal, you'll get a ten dollars to $20,000 advance and you're going to get about 10% on book royalties. So that might be like a dollar, $2 per book-ish. Um, about, I would say, yeah, I would say a buck fifty to uh, between a dollar, a dollar fifty, and $2 per book, I would say. Um, plus, you know, ten dollars to $20,000 in advance. And that's what you're looking for in terms of compensation. Um, so Definitely a book is not a get rich quick scheme by any means. It's a ton of work from what I've heard from other agents or like agents and authors and people I've listened to on the internet. Um, the process of pitching an agent, you know, uh, talking to publishing houses, like this was a long process, right? It took me months. So, you know, six months, uh, you know, January, February, March, April, May, June, and then we got an agent deal and uh, publishing deal in July. So seven months, seven month project. I still seen zero ROI, right? This has been a ton of time in my business and you know, my business, I need my business to make money so that I can pay myself, pay my team. And it's been a project that's been sitting at $0 in sales, right? For the last seven months, which is <laughs> generally speaking as a business project, not very profitable. This is why I recommend as well, pitch a book when you have this time and space to do this kind of thing, right? I'm, I'm at a bit of a luxury in my business where, because I've been running it for a while, I have my background sales and courses and membership giving me money and income. So I can literally sit and pitch agents and, you know, talk to publishers. It's definitely not a get rich quick scheme. I would say more than anything, a book is something I think if you, your soul is calling you for and if it's something that your heart wants to do and you have the space and time to do it in your business, I'd say go for it. But yeah, don't try to use it as a get rich quick scheme. So many stupid articles online are like, one of the best ways to make money is to have royalties coming in from books or like music. Well, getting a book deal is, is a little bit hard. Not that it's impossible, but it just takes time, right? And there's a fair amount of rejection. So I'd say... You can make more money faster in other ways. P.S. For example, courses. I talk about online courses day in and day out. And um, 
my backup, if we hadn't gotten no publisher interested, I would have been like, I'm selling this as a course. I could make, I know I could make a million dollars off this book concept in a course format and it would be like an easy million dollars for me to make in my business. Right. So I knew going into this that I was like, fuck, I'm like indifferent to the outcome because if nobody wants this book deal um, and no publisher wants it, Hey, I'm just going to sell this and I'm going to make a sweet million bucks in my business. And we're just going to keep selling this because this is a great idea. So that's kind of how I was approaching it, which also made it great from a manifestation standpoint, because I was like super not clingy and I didn't have like a ton of resistance as Abraham Hicks would say to getting a book deal. I was like, meh, if it comes, it comes and meh, if it doesn't, it doesn't. Obviously I wanted a book deal, but I was just like chill. If we never, ever got a book deal, I was just super surrendered about it. When I was pitching agents, I was not surrendered about it. I was like having a ego heyday about like, Oh my God, where's my agent? When's it coming in? But anyways, it's, it's all good in the end. Uh, and final questions about my book, when it's going to be out, what the topic is, what the title is, how long it is. Here's the deal. I don't even know. I I literally haven't even started writing. (laughs) I really wanted to make this podcast first about how I got this agent and book deal because I've had so many questions. And of course I wanted to share with you. Um, I will keep you posted. You can follow me on Instagram, which is at Kelly track and it's T R A C H on Instagram, even though we pronounce it like track, track and field. But you'll, you'll be in the loop about all the details on those kinds of things. And here's the other thing, you know, from what I've heard from other authors, what you pitch in your proposal is very different from the final outcome. So I might be like, Hey, we're doing this and this and this and this and this whole thing in the book. And when it's actually said and done and printed, it's going to be like way better and improved and different. So you can stay surprised and you can stay following me on Instagram. And I will tell you when I get to say an announced title, PS, the title isn't even finalized. I want to change it still. I still do not love the title. I love the whole proposal, but the title was very hard to pick and I still want help. And I want to work with my publishing house and work with Ben Bella and Matt, my editor and Marianne, if she has any good ideas on just a better title. So (laughs) yeah, follow me on Instagram for all the updates on the book. But anyways, that's the show. That's, those are all my things on how to get a book, how to get a book deal, how to get an agent. My farting, my, my farting. (laughs) Well, my final parting piece of advice is just to be patient with yourself. I would say be looking back. If I could give my younger self advice, I'd say, just be more realistic about your book timeline. It doesn't need to happen on like the first, the first day you start your business. I pitched my first book in the first year of my business. I would have said, girl, chill. You can pitch it in your Three, like who cares? It'll come when it's ready to come. You'll get the intuitive download when it's ready for you. Don't put pressure on yourself. I always love the quote and the reminder, you know, what's meant for you won't pass by you. And when it's the right time and place for you to write a book, you'll know it in your heart. You'll know it in your soul. You'll know it with your intuition and just trust. And, you know, don't put any pressure on yourself. And if you get a deal, awesome. And if you don't, you're going to be like me. And the next book you pitch, you're going to get a deal. So, so just don't worry be easy on yourself, be gentle with yourself. And, um, man, thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And I really hope one day that you, we get to listen back into this in time. And you're like, Hey Kelly, remember that time you made that episode and you just got a book deal. And now you're like actually a New York times bestseller. Like, do you remember that? So yeah, well, let's, uh, let's, let's manifest that together. But once again, no resistance, no pressure, no nothing. So anywho, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. I so hope to have you here again for more podcasts. Keep 
in the loop with my book journey. If you're interested, you can follow me at Kelly Track on Instagram. And hey, if you haven't got my quiz yet, what's your zone of genius? You can take my free quiz at kellytrack.com genius. And I will help you find your zone of genius and send you that free five-page report with a breakdown of your superpowers, what your true innate gifts are, and how you can turn that into a digital business that earns you $10,000 per month. So that's at kellytrack.com genius, and it's totally free. All right, my friends, that's everything. And I'll catch you back here soon. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. If you love this episode, please take a second to share it with somebody that you know needs to hear this message. And if you feel so called and so moved, please write an honest review of what you think about this podcast in iTunes and leave me some stars. That would truly help me out on my journey to helping millions and millions of people. And until next time, have a lovely day. And I'm so excited to see you back here soon.